After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. It's the first of our weekly series of college baseball podcasts. Aaron, I think it is the most fun that uh, I have at work anyway for at least 16 weeks, especially uh, on Memorial Day weekend when we get uh, crazy about the the uh, <laughs> selection committee as well. That's always a fun podcast. But welcome back in from Greenville and welcome uh, to another year of college podcasts. Yeah, let's do it, John. This is... Uh... This is this is exciting times. It is exciting times. Before we jump into the podcast, we want to remind everyone that you can email us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We don't have any questions for this week's uh, podcast, but you obviously can send one in, again, at the email address at podcast at baseballamerica.com. And we want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by DeMarini Demo House. When it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right. Visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. And Fitzy, uh, you got to see uh, a lot of offense in the last game that you went to this weekend. You went to all three games, Virginia at uh, East Carolina. And our preseason number two team, Virginia, goes on the road wins a series against a team that went to a Super Regional last year that was ranked number 18 coming into the year. That, combined with Texas, stunningly losing a home series to New Mexico. Yeah. Very easy choice for us this week with Virginia at number one. Yep. What uh, what impressed you about the Cavaliers this weekend? Did they show any weaknesses at all? Or what was the most impressive thing, I guess I should say? What's the one thing you'd pull out of that weekend that impressed you the most about our new number one team? Well, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of things, but I guess the 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 one thing if I had to pick one thing is is their offense is really good. It's as good as advertised. And and you know, give Kevin Brandt credit on on Saturday, the East Carolina left-hander, uh, he shut down the the Cavs pretty good there. But they bounced back on Sunday. I thought that they would. Uh, I mean, it's just an incredibly deep team. And 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 that really struck me on Sunday watching. Keith Werman, right. who didn't even play the first two games, because where are you going to put him? Right. Uh, he gets to start Sunday, and you know he just—I think he was on base four times, a couple of great bunts. I mean, he just—you know—it's it, boy. We talked about that in the preseason. So, we yeah. talked about how Virginia just so deep that this guy was clearly a spark plug for them right. against the best teams they played last year in the postseason. Uh, can't find a regular spot in the lineup, and they have options. If, Plan A is not working. They can go to Plan B. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, uh, and depth in college baseball is just hard to find with 11.7 scholarships. And, and I think they're going to be okay on the mound as well. Uh, I was really impressed with Brandon Klein on Saturday in relief for, for two innings. He, he was, he was uh, throwing about 90-93 out, out of relief, and then he you know, ran out of gas. So that will be a key piece for them. Um, Cody Winarski uh, on Sunday didn't look as good. 
I think that uh, that's the one question with this team is who's going to be the Sunday guy. Because um, they seem like they, like they want Tyler Wilson in that middle relief. They like him there a lot. Bridge role. And, and he didn't he didn't bounce back well on Sunday after throwing 50 some odd pitches Friday. His velocity was down Sunday and he got he got tattooed in that seven run inning for East Carolina. But but it's early and and I don't think there's anyone's worried about that. And if you listen to the podcast, that might be the first time you're hearing that. But if you follow our Twitter feed. Aaron was tweeting all weekend, first time ever, first time tweet, yeah. uh, first time Twitter user Aaron Fit this weekend, and if you followed our Twitter feed at twitter.com backslash baseball America, uh, you would have read all that already. Aaron talked about Tyler Wilson uh, with his velocity being good on Friday and not so good on Sunday, so I thought it was a great way actually to, to follow what happened in college baseball this weekend. East Carolina, uh, I think the most impressive thing about East Carolina, A, they are physical, they're going to hit, and it took a... Really good performance on Sunday. I mean, on yeah. Friday by Danny Holtson to come back from that first inning struggles. Right. I guess that's the first thing that I really thought of when I think of that weekend is Danny Holtson comes out first thing of the year, gives up two runs, and that was really nails the rest of that yeah. game. That guy's a true Friday. He's a star. He I mean, really he's, is. He's, he's a superstar. He's. They have a couple of sophomores and Danny Holtson and Stephen Prosha who are as good as any tandem of sophomores anybody has in the country. I, I mean, think I just, agree with you. They're awesome. Those guys are just really great college baseball. They're, they're very good college baseball players who, if they have the kind of sophomore years you think they could have, those are going to be great college baseball players. So I'm a real big fan of both those guys. Holson, you know, like you said, I mean, he just, he, he settled down after that rough first inning, and he's just so tough. He's just so mentally tough. He commands the ball so well with all three pitches. I mean, he's just, uh, he's very good. And then Prosha is just much more athletic than you think when you yeah. look at him. I don't know, he's kind of like, he kind of looks a little bit like a, uh, Kevin Euclid when people look at Euclid and don't think of him as athletic, and obviously he is. I mean, yeah. that's why he wasn't drafted as a junior and was an eighth-round pick as a senior. Procha clearly has more, uh, he's a different player, but I mean, I think yeah. uh, the reason I bring up that comparison is he's a big guy, but he's, he runs pretty well. Yeah, he's physical, but he's not a slug. No, he runs well. And I, I tell you, during batting practice, I don't know if I put this on the on the t- Twitter thing or not, but uh, Prosha, I'm telling you, John, he leapt about nine feet in the air to, to catch a line drive at batting practice. I mean, <laughs> it was just an, an impossibly high leap. It just shows you the kind of athleticism this guy has. I think he's got premium athletic ability with a big-time body. He's a, he's a, I'm a big fan, and you were a big fan of Prosha yeah. last year, and you were, on th- you were ahead of the curve on that. Now let's get to our number uh, preseason number one, Texas. We only dropped them down to three, and I guess we're almost kind of giving the Longhorns really a mulligan for this yeah. opening weekend. What happened? I mean, it sounds like they just didn't play well because New Mexico was a very gritty, uh, yeah. well, a very uh, you know an upset kind of team last year, and they really they jumped into the rankings for a little period, and they do have their junior catcher Elgato Rafael Neda back. That's right. But this is not a, a team that's as talented as last year's New Mexico team, at least not on paper. Now when you look at their pitching... They've got um, a lot of unproven parts. And, right. and you know, we talked to Rafael Nate, of course, in weekend preview on Friday, and he, and he told us the pitching staff was going to be better. He said the arms are better that, th- that they brought in. And, uh, you know, the, Mike uh, LaChapelle, the left-hander on Friday, junior college transfer making his first Division One start, uh, limits the Longhorns to one run over six innings. Yeah, so no, maybe there's right. something to that. But. And the thing is, that, and, and uh, but they, they New Me- Texas still, I, to me the the takeaway is Texas scored 12 runs in three games. Yeah, and I know that they're at home and the ballpark's a big ballpark and they don't score a lot of runs, but. The bottom line is you're not going to win a weekend series when you score 12 runs usually. And, and, and you know, I know maybe Mexico's pitching staff is better, but you've got to score more runs than that against New Mexico when you're at I home. Think. I, I just, you just have to. I think that's reasonable to, to, to believe. And uh, you know, a couple things 
not expected for Texas when they, you know, when we check on the lineups, all these kind of things in January for the college preview issue. You know, Kevin Keyes had not moved to first base. He was in right field. Tance Shepard was at first base. But most everything else was as expected. It was all their guys. They just didn't score. So it's not – I don't think there's injuries you blame here or anything else. They had their guys out there. At least as my, my cursory check of it was – it just didn't play well. So uh, I think you're going to see more of Cole Walla from Texas. He played a little bit this weekend. Um, he's uh, he's a guy that I think could could add some um, some offense. There's some some physicality, uh, some athleticism. I think he's a guy that could really uh, help that offense out a little bit as the season gets going. So LSU moves up to two. Uh, Virginia one, LSU two, Texas three. Georgia Tech is four. We move the Yellow Jackets up. Yeah. An impressive debut weekend by the Yellow Jackets. Uh, I guess the other team in the top ten, the two teams that are in the top ten that really uh, made big moves this week, Aaron, were Cal State Fullerton and Rice, and they made moves for the wrong reason. Yeah. Both uh, you know, going a combined one and five this weekend. About Cal State Fullerton, pretty pretty rough weekend when you lose two games. You lose a home to George Horton in Oregon. And then on Sunday, Dave Serrano uh, bumps an umpire and gets suspended for three That happened games. Saturday, yeah. Saturday, I'm he sorry. He sat out Sunday's game, in fact. So, uh, and it sounds like he had reason to be frustrated. The Titans did not play well Friday or Saturday at all. No, that was that was pretty stunning to me. I mean, it's yeah, you, you know, watched the game on Friday night. It sounds like on your laptop for about four innings. I did, and they were they were sloppy. First of all, that was the first thing that struck me is they just didn't not, they did not play crisp baseball. They made errors that that really hurt them. Um, you know, they didn't swing the bats very well. And, and Oregon, you know, Oregon does have some arms. I mean, I, I like their pitching staff. And they they did bring out is it Scott McGaw? Is that the sophomore's name? Uh, you know, I, I've name? heard it pronounced a number of different ways. I think it, it, might, it might be McGew even. Oh, really? <laughs> so M-C- we'll, we'll check into that for G-O-U-G-H. you. But they, I know they love him. Yep. I know he was mostly a shortstop in high school. And they converted him full-time to the mound last year, although I think he did hit a little bit because they were just so bad. But they have very high hopes for this guy. and He was money on Friday night with, what, two and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen. And then they have Tyler Anderson, their sophomore, who was right. kind of their number one guy on Fridays last year anyway. So they do have arms. Uh, Justin LaTempa started on Saturday for them in a game. They ended up winning. Um, he's, you know, he's, a, yeah. he's a good. He's a good arm. They have arms. Or Long Beach, excuse me. Yeah, against Long Beach. Uh, Oregon's got arms, but that still was a stunning result. I mean, I know it's one game, but I, I mean, do you have any long-term worries about Cal State Florida, or do you think that this is just an opening weekend sloppiness? Yeah, I don't think there's anything to really worry about. Um, you know, they're they're going to hit better than they did this weekend. There's no question about that. Uh, the pitching was 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 fine. I mean, you know, Rankin was the reports that I got showed that he, that he was a little shaky on Friday. Uh, stuff wasn't great. Apparatus uh, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, command you know was not great. He just didn't have the the Friday night swagger that he had last year. So right. well, that's the one thing to watch. Will you know? Will he hold down the Friday role and be what he was last year? You know, or will Noy Ramirez or somebody else wind up as a Friday guy? I, I think Rankin will come around. I, I like Daniel Rankin. I hope he comes around. He's a he's a really good college pitcher, and he's he's, he's right out of the straight out of the the Fullerton playbook as a guy who. Commands the fastball, yeah, pitches aggressively, up. has that change up absolutely. So, uh, and the other big one is, of course, is, is Rice losing, uh, being swept on the road at Stanford. A great, challenging weekend series. You talked to Wayne Graham last week. We had concerns in the preseason, Aaron, about Rice's pitching. Was that the problem for the Owls this weekend? That was. Uh Boy, they had a number of problems this weekend. I mean, you know, we thought that uh, they, that they would be the best offense in the country, and certainly they weren't this weekend. And you got to give Stanford some credit. Stanford right. got some very good arms, and 
and we thought that, that Stanford had a chance to have a, a really good pitching staff with all those sophomores, you know, Mooneyham and uh, Jordan Prees and right. Scott Snodgrass. Those guys are, are, are really good. Uh, really but, like but unproven. Arm. Right. Most, mostly unproven. Right. Most of those guys are not guys who've been productive college players yet. Right. And Mooneyham was pretty good last year, but not great. I mean, he, was, he walked a ton of guys. Yep. Priest is pretty good, but none of these guys really were contributors in their O, oh, what was the O oh, eight team that went to Omaha? Yeah, that's they, right. They really don't have anybody left from that who contributed in a significant way. So I'll tell you, I really expected Rice to score more than, than 15 runs in three games out there. Uh, so, you know, they, they've got to do better offensively. They've got to pitch better. There's no question about that. Uh, they didn't get good starts at all this weekend from, uh, you know, from uh, Jared Rogers or, um, you know, Taylor Wall wasn't particularly good. Uh, it, it's there's there's some things to, to address there. I, I do think that the pitching staff will be better by the end of the year. They do have a lot of arms, um, but again, they've really got some some inexperienced guys that they're leaning on. You know, the freshmen like Chase McDowell and Tyler Sperling, uh, and Matt Evers continues to be a problem. Uh, he he just cannot command the strike zone. Yeah, that seems to be the big that's the biggest worry I had that when reading the the weekend preview, is that you know. Wayne Graham likes to have a moment of truth relief pitcher, and he's been pretty good about those over the years, whether it was Matt Anderson or David Ardsma yeah. or Cole St. Clair forever, uh, right. and they don't have that right now. And, and, and Coach Graham talked about Boogie Anagnostu as, as, as probably the guy he had the most confidence in in the bullpen going into the weekend, and he yeah. got lit up. Yeah, he did. Future, uh, future starter or reliever for our 2013 Greek World Baseball Classic. There you go. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we get Boogie in the, into the mix there. Uh, so we don't have to use uh, Markakis or Moustakis on the mound. I don't think our other big league clubs would let us do that. And by the way, that's not being serious at all. It's the Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. One more thought on Stanford before we move on, John. Uh, the freshmen. I mean, we talked so much about their freshman class, number two in the country, uh, recruiting class. Kenny DeKroger with the, the walk-off two-run single. Um, and Jake Stewart had a good weekend. Uh, you know, Stephen Piscotty had a good weekend. The freshmen were contributors. Yeah. That, that's what needs to happen for Stanford to be good. Piscotty hit in the middle of the lineup all weekend. Stewart let off all weekend. They left the Kroger down the lineup, but he is. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that stands out about Stanford, frankly, is their athleticism is off the charts for college baseball. No Between doubt. the Kroger, Stewart, they're athletic behind the plate with Zach Jones. No doubt. Colin Walsh is a really nice defensive second baseman, gets on base, gritty and gutty, all that stuff. Jake Schlander at short. Jake Schlander is one of the best defensive shortstops in the in the country. They, you know, Kilsgaard, I don't know how Schilsgaard. I think it's actually Schilsgaard if you do the the, uh, the Swedish pronunciation. We'd know if he were in the. Winter Olympics playing hockey or something like that. Um, they, they are much more athletic than most college baseball teams, no and that is going to be borne out. And you know that you're going to they're going to play fairly fundamentally sound because if they don't, they won't be on the field for Mark Marquis. So uh, you know it'll be drilled into them. So if those freshmen hit. Stanford has a chance to be really good. If those freshmen hit, Stanford has a chance to be really, really good. And that, to me, is what the whole season comes down to because yeah. they've got some you know, some good sophomores, a couple upperclassmen, but the, the freshmen are so talented. Yeah. Uh, they will determine how good Stanford can be. We'll have to find someone who was at the game and let us know whether it was just a really tight zone on Sunday or whether Brent Mooneyham and Tony Sangrani, the two starters, were really so bad that they, that they uh, combined for 14 walks uh, in, you know, uh, eight innings, basically. Boy, that's not good. That's not good. So, Baseball America podcast, John and Aaron here. Uh, Aaron, we kind of went chalk in the middle of the uh, rankings. We did bring Stanford in at 18, dropping East Carolina. Really, it, it's the first poll of the year. There's not a whole lot really you can do 
with the poll, because obviously we believe in those teams. We're not going to leave them alone. Yeah. You know, if Texas loses another series next week, and they're going to come tumbling down the the, the rankings. Yep. Um, and they play Stanford next week, which will be a uh, you know, it's the usual early season test for both those teams. But what other teams? I guess even of the teams that stayed still. Uh, it seemed like Louisville and Arizona State were a couple teams that were really impressive. Georgia Tech, I already mentioned, I thought was yeah. very impressive, sweeping Missouri State. What other teams stood out to you? Florida is another one. I mean, their pitching depth uh, is what we talk about with Florida going into the year. Um, and, and they got three good starts this weekend. Uh, they've got plenty of guys in the bullpen. Uh, and, and the touted freshman coming up big with, with Austin Maddox uh, cracking a two-run homer in his first uh, collegiate swing. Uh, and Mike Zanino, I believe, had a walk-off hit. I don't know if it was Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. Uh, and then Brian know, Johnson pitched well. And Brian Johnson pitched well. I mean, it's all the things that, that, uh, that we were expecting, I guess, to see from Florida, we saw. Uh, so they certainly were impressive, I thought. Um, you know, and, and UCLA's arms, I mean, they didn't face the best competition. But uh, I did watch Trevor Bauer on TV on Saturday night on MLB Network. And, boy, he looked good. <laughs> he yeah. struck out 13 guys. He looked really good doing it. That was against Bethune. Bethune-Cookman. Bethune's and, and Bethune-Cookman can swing the bats. Yeah, Bethune's pretty good. They've got a couple of junior college transfers they like. I think uh, Daniel Babona is another name I want to throw out there. He had a great yeah. uh, debut on Friday, seven innings, seven hits, no walks, ten strikeouts. And you can read more about Babona in uh, three strikes. Oh, outstanding. Is he your uh, Golden, Golden Spike? Spike Spotlight? We love the Golden Spike Spotlight at uh, BaseballAmerica.com. That's a staple of Monday's three strikes. Aaron, uh, anybody outside the top 25? Do we think besides the New Mexico that you uh, that you were impressed with or thinking about? Yeah. It really didn't seem like anybody – nobody at the bottom really lost other than Georgia lost a series. So we didn't really bring anyone in. Kentucky obviously had a big weekend. Yeah, they, that was a team that stuck out to me going 3-0 and at that tournament down at uh, uh, Coastal Carolina. That's a good tournament. You know, they, they beat Virginia, a pretty good Virginia Tech team on Friday. Uh, they did beat, they beat Jesse Hahn or did they – They did not. Hahn okay. pitched on Sunday and pitched well, okay. by the way. I think he was up to 96 with a, with a good curveball. I believe I saw that on the Twitter feed. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, and Kentucky also beat Coastal Carolina on Sunday. So, I mean, it's – that's, that's a good weekend. They're definitely in the discussion right now for the back of the rankings, uh, you know, when there's an opening, uh, if they can keep this going, even without James Paxton. I mean, that's, you know, it looks like Paxton had a setback this weekend. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to pitch this year. I think that's starting to become pretty obvious. Yeah, that's just really not good. That's not good for college baseball. It's not good for anybody involved. Yeah. That, uh, that whole situation, I don't think we've really even talked about that on a podcast. It really seems like what happened with James Paxton was that, Paul Beeston thought it was the old world order and talked about negotiating, and uh, this is the new world order in college baseball, and that's where they yeah. actually care about that kind of stuff. I think They care about college baseball. I think Beeston might have just been frustrated. I think that quote came right after the negotiations. I think he was frustrated. With he, was, he was trying to explain the why, they didn't, why they didn't sign Paxton, their, their supplemental first-round pick, and so he played the old blame-it-on-Boris card um, and uh, not thinking that that would have ramifications for Paxton. I, I I don't think Beeson did it maliciously. Correct. I agree. I, I will say this. James Paxson did not have an agent last year, did not have an advisor, until about a third of the way or two-thirds of the way through the year. Remember, we heard this story about how he was unrepresented, and then he basically threw a game on Friday, and then on Saturday, every agent who they had contacted could sit down with him, and like they had like a recruiting meetings all weekend with these other agents. He wound up picking the Boris Corporation. You can argue the merits of picking the Boris Corporation, plus from either a lot of positives to the Boris Corporation, there also are undoubtedly some negatives to the Boris Corporation. Um, in my opinion, they're the best agents out there because they are just so consistently do what – if you want 
your agent to get you the most money, the Boris Corporation has a very good track record of doing that. Yeah. No one bats a thousand, including the Boris Corporation, but I understand why he joined them. Uh, but at that time, in our mid-season update last year, we had James Paxson in the top half of the first round. I don't think he went in the supplemental first round, Aaron, based on the Boris Corporation no. representing him. He faded he down went the on stretch. Merit. Exactly. He faded down the stretch. He's never dominated the SEC. I think he overplayed his hand by not signing with Toronto. He's a Canadian kid. I don't think the Blue Jays were looking necessarily to give him a giant Canadian discount. But what's wrong with signing for supplemental first round money? And uh, I guess I don't know. The, well, the main thing is I don't know the negotiations. So I really shouldn't even comment on that. Uh, but the bottom line is... I don't think the NCAA or anybody uh, ignores these things anymore, and I don't think James Paxson realized that. So it's a pretty it's a pretty big mess, and now he's paying for uh, he's paying for this change in the NCAA's philosophy, yeah. which is basically they're enforcing rules they've always ignored. And you know, this to me I think does sound similar to what happened to Jeremy Sowers in 2002, if I believe, where there was a media report, yeah, and that's what led to, to Sowers' suspension. But that was only a, a, I think a six game suspension. Correct. Uh, if if that. I think it, it was, was six. It was two weeks, uh, it, six games. The, the policy now is is that the presumed penalty for violations of the no agent rule is is permanent it's ineligibility. And he That's has it. no, and he has no, and he hasn't even been suspended. No, he hasn't. Officially, he hasn't even met with the NCAA yet. Officially, he's just in limbo. Right. So it's a real shame. Uh, it's a very murky process, and all these negotiations are murky between teams and players when they sign. Uh, more murky than it probably should be. Uh, and this whole NCAA situation, and the specific one, is very murky. Yeah. I'm not trying to pass judgment on it. I just think a lot of people made mistakes, that they did, but they were unintentional mistakes. And the problem is that James Paxson is going to pay for it for the whole season. And the real issue, to me, isn't so much James Paxson. Guess what? If he wants to go, he'll go into this year's draft. If he needs to, he'll just when the when school's over, he'll go pitch in uh, some indie league, right. make three or four starts, and he'll be fine. Yep. Long term, he'll be fine. The people who really miss, lose out on this are his Kentucky teammates Absolutely. who lose a weekend starter with SEC experience, a left-hander with plus-plus stuff at times. And uh, so I feel bad for his teammates, really, most of all, because they're the ones who long-term uh, miss out the most, in my opinion. So. And they've got arms there. Even without them, you know, Taylor Rogers, the freshman lefty, was outstanding Saturday. I mean, they've got Logan Darnell. They've got Alex Meyer. They, they could still have an elite Weekend rotation, but imagine if you, you can move one of those other guys to a different role because Absolutely. you've got Paxton in there as well. And it just makes you that much better. And their sophomore class has a chance to be special. It's yes. a very good freshman class last year, highly yep. regarded group of freshmen. This year they've got experience for moving into more leadership roles in the team as sophomores. But you'd really love to have those guys with a, with a quality senior around too. It's, just, it's a shame, the whole situation, like I said. I'm not trying to pass judgment on, on any of it. It's, I, I just see it as a comedy of errors, really, in, in a lot of ways. It's too bad. But the NCAA is the, is the one organization that, by, by actually enforcing their rules that they didn't use to enforce, uh, at least not very stringently, that's the, really the X factor here that changed things. And one reason that they, they haven't enforced them is because how the heck do you enforce right. them? When that's every right. kid tells you he doesn't have an agent, every advisor says, I'm just advising, that's not really how it happens. I agree. But there's no way you can enforce it. So, so when you do enforce it, it's completely arbitrary and unfair. Correct. That's it, correct. They basically have to have an investigations unit of like 400 people, yeah. and that's not going to happen. And even if they had a 400-person investigation unit, for the most part, nobody's going to tell them anything. There's yeah, no right. way they can prove it. The clubs aren't going to rat these kids out. You're what do they right. have to gain from it? It's all pretty – I believe, as the Flavor Flav once said, it all adds up to a funky situation. Yeah. So. They, they, need to, they need to get rid of the no-agent rule as, as currently applied, at least in baseball. It just does not work. It just doesn't make sense. It's nonsensical. 
I think you're right. I don't see another way around it. Uh, I, the thing is, if you let it go for baseball, I don't see how you don't let it go for basketball and football. Um, yeah. Baseball's draft continues to be a unique draft that's held in the middle of the season for, for all intents and purposes. It's still held during college baseball season with Omaha and stuff. It's just it's and, unique. And you can the things the, that apply to baseball don't apply to the other sports. And, and one more thought, John. I'm not saying that you need to let agents come in and run wild. You know, you can keep the they no benefits. Do. You can keep the no benefits rules intact. You know, don't let the kids get free free stuff and don't let them pay for you to do things. But 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 to say that the that the agent can't represent you in negotiations with a pro team uh, is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. It's and, really and it's, anti-American when you really think about it. How can anybody deny legal counsel to any to an American? Yeah. Uh, how can one American deny legal counsel to another one? That's just that's really just fundamentally. I mean, it might make me go, by, go join, join a Tea Party movement for this. Uh, I'm, I feel that strongly <laughs> about it. I wrote about that. That'll nine be the years day. Ago. That will be the day. But I mean, uh, it doesn't make any sense, Aaron, to not allow someone legal representation. The problem is there are a lot of agents out there, and a lot of runners for agents or employees of agencies who aren't attorneys. And that's where things start to get murky. So, anyway, great podcast. Probably the first time we've really sat down and talked about the James Paxton yeah. stuff for a while. And, uh, I don't know that I learned anything, but I enjoyed talking about it. Absolutely. We'll be back next week with another college podcast. Until then, when it comes to buying a baseball bat, Dean Marini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from Dean Marini before you buy. Because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right. Visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. For Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.